You're listening to the Changing Normal Podcast, where we strive to outdo the old normal and reject the new normal. And now your hosts, Owen, Dan, and Ben. Welcome to episode 37 with the uh, infamous trio of musketeers here to talk about uh, doing the old normal and rejecting the new normal. And uh, first off, what have you guys done this week? Any uh, any new buzzing going on your way, Owen? <laughs> well, it didn't get Lever. mentioned last week. <laughs> but yeah, I did get my bees a uh, weekend before last, I guess. And so, yeah, we've had some exciting adventures trying to get them installed and, and inspected that between cold snaps and uh, rain, days of rain. So... <laughs> It was, let me see, pick them up on a Sunday, and then it was so, it was too cold the next couple days to do anything. So the next Thursday was the the first chance I had to actually get them out of their little box, four frames, and then get them installed in their permanent home. And then, yeah, that was kind of cool. It went quite smoothly. Uh, and because they are coming as a Langstroth frame and I'm putting them in a horizontal hive, that's a different frame size. We had, I had to make like special adapter frames and turn the frames at 90 degrees while they're full of bees and drill holes and put screws in. So we weren't quite sure how that was all going to go over, but they seem pretty calm and, and, and yeah, went pretty good. Found the queen. Um, got them all installed and then hard to keep my fingers out of them uh, over the weekend but uh, Tuesday I decided to take another little peek uh, just to see how they were making out uh, because I'd left some empty frames I wanted to see if they were building out any comb Mm -hmm. and sure enough they were building out comb but they're we had such a nice weekend and they were dandelions and I guess no apple oh, blossoms. Yeah. Peak dandelion season. Peak dandelion yeah. season. Uh, the the uh, pear trees were all blossomed. So there was a ton. Anyway, they were bringing in nectar nonstop. And when I opened them up on Tuesday night, they were completely, there was no eggs on the frames, but there was lots of, you know, baby bees on other stages of development, larva and capped and whatnot. But the queen just had no place left to lay eggs because they just filled everything else with pollen or uh, nectar. Mm -hmm. So wasn't sure exactly how to kind of puzzle. What am I going to do? Because I didn't want them to think they had no space and I didn't want them to not. I didn't want them to have a big brood break where they, you know, aren't producing bees. You're supposed to be ramping up your numbers, but I don't have comb on any of my frames other than the ones I put in uh, that they came on. Um, but I did have somebody give me some old frames with comb on them, some old Langstroth frames. And so Tuesday, no, I got to get my, my days right here. wasn't Tuesday. What day was it? So I inspected them. Must have been Monday. I inspected them. Tuesday, 
after I got home, uh, I, from hanging out with you guys, working out, never doing sprints again. Um, <clears throat> sprints on Tuesday, leg day today. I was like, hardly walk when I got home. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so I, I cut the the comb out of those frames and then melted them into the wires on a blank lay-ins frame. Mm-hmm. And then Wednesday morning before the rain started, that's going to last three days, has lasted three couple days, uh, Amy uh, slid that in um, for them. So hopefully they'll have a chance to kind of fix that comb all up and clean it all up. Um, and they'll have a full frame to for her to go to town on, lay some eggs, and keep that bee building mm-hmm. process process going. So you melted the existing comb onto a, an empty frame with just the wires. Did yeah, you like so my la- the wires so they would melt into the wax. Yeah, so my lay-ins frame has four wires that run vertically on it mm-hmm. and it's one it's one wire that just mm-hmm. go you know snakes yeah. through the whole thing and it ends and starts on the top and so what i did is i took a battery just a, i was just about to ask if that's what you did took a battery. Yeah, car battery and an old pair of jumper cables that don't have plastic on them and then i clamped the, the bumper cables to or jumper cables to like a piece of wood and then i placed the both ends of the of the frame sort of upside down on top of the mm-hmm. jumper cables and that heats the wire up enough that and then you can just kind of it'll melt the wax will melt right in you can just kind of push it in hmm. till it's centered on okay. the on the built-out comb I like that car battery huh yeah yeah it works pretty good um it gets hot enough that you don't want to touch it hmm. so yeah, i bet it does yeah yeah <laughs> well it was neat because you, when i was doing that and, and a lot of them i had to put starter strips on um and so when I was doing that, of course, there's no comb covering the wires. And you could actually see they would go from like a taut wire to all of mm-hmm. a sudden it would get loose. And you could just, you could almost see it bend from just the expansion mm-hmm. of the metal from the heat, from it heating up. And then you'd oh, cool. put your starter strip on and then take it off. And a few minutes later, it would all be taut again. A little less than thermal expansion there. Um, so yeah, so this weekend I'll probably go back in and see how they're making out and make sure that everything's good, but try not to get into them too much. Just let them do their thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I find beekeeping so far is just a lot of sitting around waiting, doing mm-hmm. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up and wait. No, only have one hive. So that's a little different. If I had probably like a hundred hives, it would be a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. but one hive is pretty, pretty easy to manage. Um, yeah, as far as homestead it. animals, these are really kind of a, a boom and bust mm. type thing. So like either they're just, you know, running nice and smoothly and you don't have to do much to them and then you could lose the whole thing. But as far mm-hmm. as if everything goes well, like labor for produce that you get out of it must be one of the higher ratios. I would say so. I mean, in theory, you you really don't have to do hardly anything to them through the summer. Maybe add a box here and there, maybe do some treatments if you're doing mite treatments or something like that. But 
yeah, the big labor would come in the fall with extraction and getting them ready for mm-hmm. winter. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. it's fun. I'm really enjoying it. Kids are loving it. They all fight over who's going to get to go help dad look at the bees. <laughs> every boat. I get about every other day. The second youngest comes to me and has a bunch of bee questions. So, so do they store their their do they store the their the honey in the cellar? She says. Well, they don't have a cellar. Well, you said they had cellars. I said no, they have cells. Oh, cells. So she's getting the terminology down, and she wanted to know. She wants so. Which which bee does the does the queen bee marry? <laughs> That's one of her other questions. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it's cute. Lots of fun. It'll be a fun one to answer. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's birds and the bees, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. So what, uh, There'll be a good little uh, army for uh, the extraction literally. process. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. What are you guys up been up to? Uh, trying to kill some of those dandelions. Well, no, not kill them, just <laughs> cut them. <laughs> I feel like most of my extra time this week has been uh, fighting with my little lawnmower. So <laughs> got to get some repairs done on that. You always know it's going to be a good day when you uh, hit the key and it goes clunk, clunk, clunk. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that the top of you was out. Push, it was out in the driveway there in the. Hood was up the other day when we went by, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, damn! Must be having lawnmower trouble." <laughs> yeah, since not being a mechanic, it took me a little bit of effort to figure out what was wrong with it. But you know, taking the engine cowling off, and I found the uh, starter was the starter gear was actually jamming on the flywheel. Mm. So my current uh, working hypothesis is that maybe. Too much torque was being required, causing the gears to slip. So they're not a super tight fit, but it should be good enough for all the work it takes to actually roll the engine over. Mm-hmm. But uh, I did replace the the deck belt, and it's been grabbing even while attempting to start the mower. Mm-hmm. So that would, you know, put a lot more uh, tension yep. on getting that flywheel spinning. So. Anyway, the teeth were actually get, getting stuck with the points hitting each other. Oh. Yeah, it and almost seems like you've got too much slipping, space. So. Yeah. Huh. Almost yeah. like something so, is loose, and so there's too much space that instead of meshing, it can actually push mm-hmm. push past each other. Yeah, that was what I looked Weird. at, like examining the starter gear for where it doesn't seem to be worn, yeah. um, checking the starter bolts. They weren't noticeably loose. Um <laughs> So it's hard to say if it was just that uh, too much force was being required to turn it over. And so, you know, it just caused those gears to slip after it pushes with a certain amount of force. Um, I'm going to fix the belt problem, then go back to the starter. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) One thing at a time. Yeah. See how it works. Yeah. It's not a great mower, but uh, (laughs) you work with the tools you have. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, good old $100 mowers. <laughs> Spen, Homestead Adventures. <laughs> uh, well, actually, we uh, we cleared a spot for the uh, beehives to get moved over 
into the stand of trees here at the house. Uh, da, da, da. Steph is also wondering how she's going to uh, get the grass cut. Um, we've actually started <laughs> perusing for mowers. And I said, sweetheart, no, <laughs> you can't cut the grass just yet. <laughs> the bees are going to need those dandelions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cutting grass is so overrated. <laughs> those nice manicures. I'm disappointed anytime it's not an animal doing the work for me. <laughs> well, I did I did threaten the kids because they were like, when are we gonna cut the grass? Because they always fight over who's gonna get to run the lawnmower. And I because it's a ride-on lawnmower. And I said, uh I said, oh no. I said we can't. We can't cut the, the dandelions, so you guys are going to have to cut around all the dandelions with scissors this year. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't quite so enthused about mowing the lawn after that. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. So it's been, uh, it's been pell-mell at work. We uh, pulled up all 600 live traps out of the first um population reduction cell we got them all reset in the second one uh, that was today so we're gonna have a, a boatload of animals to look after tomorrow morning and then uh, not this weekend but next is the uh timber sports eastern qualifier hmm so we shall see how that goes um that's why I was kind of, that was why I was doing sprints on Tuesday with Owen and the <laughs> other young whippersnappers. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that's pretty much it. There's uh, been a couple of things come across the oh media platforms um, between, uh, between Ledger and um, Noster and Oh, it's the other one. I guess it was really, it was a media platform, but it was more of a, a news article that was in regards to food. So I can save that one to later. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And then uh, just waiting to hear back on a dispatch from CoinKite so that I can yeah. finally start to track a package. Cause yeah, I, I haven't heard one. anything either. <laughs> Like checking the data on my watch, I'm like, hmm, it's been close to a week. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, mm. they say seven. They say up to seven days, I think. But I'm sure they're busy. So, yeah, especially with everything going on lately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys listen to what Bitcoin did talking about the ledger? They had a few that guys. Going... I think it must be the Bitcoin my conference. So mm. they had people handy to talk about it. But I think uh, oh, they had one of the CoinKite guys on there, and I was trying to remember the figure he said for sales, like twenty x maybe. <sighs> yeah, that's high. <laughs> well, may, maybe we'll see our so gold card this while. year. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll get it as a Christmas present. <laughs> yeah, but so yeah, they'll was... have to navigate a bit of a boom bust cycle themselves because <laughs> that's going to be a wicked peak and fall off. Yep. Yeah. I mean, they've got a lot of other cool stuff, but the gold card is the main, um, the main selling feature for that company. If mm -hmm. I had to take a stab at it. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
definitely an interesting uh, episode, though. Um, they had the CEO of Ledger on, Pascal, yeah, Pascal Gautier. Gautier. Yeah. And then Odell and NVK. There's one, was there one other guy? I didn't no, listen I to anything from that conference. That'll probably be the only thing I listened to from that conference. <laughs> yeah, was, so um, that was good for people wanting to follow up on uh, Ledger news. Yeah. I think I'm less concerned than I was uh, last week, so I've seen yep. some positive signs. Likewise. I'm not going to cancel my cold uh, cold card order because I was planning <laughs> on going that way anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yep, one is none, two is one, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when all else fails, get an Oster account. <laughs> <laughs> I guess all else hasn't failed for Dan yet. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> His break glass in case of emergency <laughs> axe hasn't been used. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I made almost uh, 800 sats in zaps today. Wow, nice. Was that like four cents? Five cents? <laughs> <laughs> That's four or five cents you didn't have before. Touche. Touche. All right. On that note, <laughs> let's jump into our main topic. And uh, this is our follow-up. We were talking about uh, the basic prepping concept and what we thought the modern positive spin on that should be. And uh, so now kind of in a breakdown of that, we wanted to hit on food as probably the most important piece. Yeah, one of them. I mean, we're going to go through all those different different things. They're not in any really particular order, but yeah, when you think of things you need to have to survive, food is pretty high up on the list. You're, I, I mean, feel like you're taking ben, a very philosophical approach here. Ben would I'm say coffee. I'm not nearly as coffee. dismissive of food as you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ben would say coffee. This but. actually isn't coffee. <laughs> this isn't coffee. It's uh, it's honey ginger tea. Okay. <laughs> trying, to, trying, just trying to get over the last hump of this stupid cold. <laughs> yeah. But, um, are we going to change to? Uh, from modern what do we call it modern survival what was the name we went with i can't modern remember. thrivalism modern yeah, thrivalism are, are we, we going with modern, modern thri- <laughs> call call it whatever you want yeah yep so kind of a what do you prioritize i guess i think we'll try to get all of our opinions and see if there's any uh differences in how we approach this or have you approached mean, it, want to approach it in the future. And specifically the food, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely with food. So why don't you kick it off, Owen? Yeah. Uh, well, it is interesting because a traditional prepping position position or, or tactic or approach to this topic would be a lot of the sort of beans, bullets, band-aids type of approach where you have a stockpile of food. And that has mm-hmm. value, and I think that especially has value for people in cities or in ur- more urban areas, uh, for sure. And we'll we'll touch about that mm-hmm. uh, 
here in a bit. But my own personal philosophy is more of a, a grow your own, create your own kind of philosophy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you yeah. make growing your food a lifestyle, um, then it's not so much, oh, our stores ran out. So I guess our preps, you know, now we're, we're, we're still hooped. You know, everything runs out that's consumable like that. Whereas if you have the ability and skills to create your or your own or at least a portion of it, uh, longer term, you're probably better off mm-hmm. with that. Yeah, because those really are the avenues where you can source food because you don't actually have a lot of options. You know, you can stockpile when it's uh, a resource that's available mm-hmm. to buy, you know, buying, like you said, beans in bulk and there's a uh, producing your own. And then I guess a, a third might be foraging your own. That might be separate enough to be a distinct category. Um, I think the stockpiling is probably the easiest one, but it's also the one that uh, I guess has the most potential to, fail simply due to running out of a resource or maybe you can't live on beans actually (laughs) (laughs) when you try to put that to the test and have never tried it (laughs) well it certainly is probably uh the most expensive upfront cost wise Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. unless you're able to slowly do it over time which is where you can get into some different techniques like copy canning that are more economical because they're a, they're a slow build over time. No, you don't have a year's supply of food all one shot, but you can start with a week's supply of food and then grow that to two weeks supply of food. And over time you build, build a, a reserve. And probably honestly, the best method is probably a mix of all these. Yeah. Being cog- being cognizant of what, uh, <clears throat> excuse me being cognizant of what the requirements would be week by week and then just uh taking the necessary steps to mitigate and and uh mediate in between all of the, all of them <laughs> sorry mm-hmm. yeah so copy canning being basically getting extra of what you're actually using it's kind of at the full opposite end of just the stockpiling a single commodity, for example, I guess you could say. Oh, for sure. For sure. Maybe not as much diversity as being able to produce your own, but then you can't produce everything you want to eat. Can you? No, you can't. You can't. I mean, in theory, you can, if you have, they're pretty hard to produce. (laughs) (laughs) If I look back at times where people pretty much uh, ate what they could grow, it's like, they weren't, uh, you know, living a lifestyle full of luxury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a whole lot you of know? just, that's where the whole term steak and potatoes comes from. That's all there was to eat was steak and potatoes <laughs> every day, three meals. Or maybe only potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> if you're Irish. <laughs> yeah. I wondered if the Irish were going to make an appearance in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard somewhere that, uh, what is this? this is a gallon of milk and 10 pounds of potatoes is all you need to survive. It has everything you need. A gallon of milk and nutrition wise. <laughs> but maybe that was just so a calorie for what count. Of time. 
for like a day or something like that or a week. I forget what it was. Oh, Ten pounds of potatoes. <laughs> that would Maybe be a lot. A yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't even know. I don't know if that's true. So to process yeah. anything. <laughs> it's like 10 pounds of potatoes. It's like you know the type of restaurant where they uh they're big on uh piling the fries up. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have uh, anything else going for you, but man, we'll give you two pounds of potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so copy canning, for anybody who doesn't know, is basically you go to the store and you buy the things you would normally buy anyway, and the things that store, you buy an extra of. You take it home and you put it on your shelf, and then every week when you go to the store, you buy an extra. And so you're slowly over time building it up, and you're always rotating it so the oldest thing gets used, and the new stuff you buy replaces it. And so in that way, and this works good for, for you know, canned good. That's why it's called copy canning um, because it works good with canned goods and things that store well for periods of time. And this, this also, I mean, in some ways, this also works for things like, oh, pasta sauce is on sale. You know, uh, you used to see pasta sauce would go on sale for like half price, buy one, get one free kind of thing. And so before we made our own pasta sauce, we'd buy like two or three, you know, flats of it and and pack it away. Mm-hmm. And that was great because you always had it on hand. And it that wasn't really truly copy canning, but it was sort of the same because it was a consumable good that we ate, you know, regularly. And we would just buy it when it was on sale instead of buying an extra one once a week because we liked having it on hand. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it turns into an exercise of thriftiness as well. If you mm-hmm. uh, just buy as much as you can uh, stash in the cart, <laughs> yeah, when it goes on sale, and oh. uh, yeah, pasta sauce is definitely a good one. I'll, I'll side with a lot of people in this and that. Yeah, I'll go with the spaghetti and tomato sauce. Like <laughs> I like spaghetti pretty well. That sounds better than the diet of just potatoes. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Amy. Amy was always so embarrassed when I would pull up to the to cash with tri- like just fifty percent stickers. Oh, tons of stuff. They just <laughs> like I'd see it. I go, "That's a really good deal," and I'd just fill the cart. And she would just be like, "Oh, I can't believe!" And she just would like try to. I hope nobody <laughs> I, sees I, us. I don't know this person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not pushing the cart. I just don't know this person. <laughs> I definitely like to do a lot of that uh, price checking when I'm in the store. My wife tells me I'm a, I'm a slow shopper. Are you guys the same <laughs> way? Is this a, like a common experience? I don't do a lot of price checking. I just kind of have a rough idea of, oh, that's a good deal or not a good deal. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't worry too much about it, but I will. There mm-hmm. are certain things because we buy so little at the store. There are certain things that are sort of our go-to and you go, mm-hmm. oh, it's on sale. So, but mm-hmm. I'm not going, well, if I drive across town, I can get this for three cents cheaper at, no. you know, the other store. <laughs> I don't, I don't do extra dollars worth of gas to get. Yeah. That. No, I don't do any of that, mm-hmm. but no, but I grew uh, up in a, I grew up in a coupon coupon using family. Uh, 50% off sticker family and a, uh, excuse me, a uh, compare the price per unit Mm -hmm. system. 
So mm. I'll yeah, yeah I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do that. If I'm if I'm gonna buy a bunch of something, you know, like I mm. say, I'm gonna oh it's almost you know canning season. I'm gonna stock up on a bunch of sugar. I'll do some. Yeah, pull out the calculator, pull out the phone mm-hmm. calculator, do a couple calculations. Oh, this brand yeah, is a little bit yeah. less <laughs> per unit. <laughs> Yeah, or the different you know packaging on, sizes. A lot That's of time I, on the price sticker on the shelf. Yeah, that, the store I go to, it's usually there. You get an occasional product is listed in standard for some reason, which I don't understand why they would mm-hmm. do that. But everything else <laughs> is like this. Why would you do like that? It makes no sense. <laughs> it's like you're t- intentionally making it hard. <laughs> So yeah, no, no, keep an eye out for sales. Don't, don't consider the price. <clears throat> <laughs> just buy and don't consider. Well, <laughs> then we're back to having no food stockpile. <laughs> it's like it's, just eat and don't consider. Yeah. <laughs> this is what we're trying to convert you away from. <laughs> Ben's over here being all devil's advocate. Don't even think about it. <laughs> It'll be fine, they said. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how well the sarcasm comes through the audio side <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> hmm. but, poppy canning was new to me. <clears throat> if I'm completely honest, I thought okay. Well, like because my grandmother always used to. We didn't do a ton of it growing up, but um, I'm always like copy when first started hearing about it. Copy canning, Man, like when you're canning stuff, you're making you're canning a lot, like you're technically copying everything you're canning but it's, anyway, <laughs> then someone I, I heard it explained to me it's like bing light bulb moment oh, okay yep no no that makes sense yeah mm. somebody must have figured it was better than uh like doubling your supply every so often but uh yeah so yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll i mean we're going to expand on all these a little bit i think later but that's just one kind of common method. The other we already spoke of, of growing your own advantage being you, you, um, you have a, it's more of a renewable resource, um, than copy canning because copy canning, you're still a hundred percent depending on the supply of the grocery store. Whereas you're growing your own, you're a little, you're less dependent on, on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, the saying, uh, you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day and teach him to fish and you'll never see him for the rest of his life. You'll never see him again. <laughs> I'm just going to say. <laughs> I got it in there. First. Uh, I, I've heard one version of that, that uh, has a final line that says, uh, and then he'll teach everyone else to fish and there'll be no more fish left. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's new. <laughs> oh, man. You're all staying along the banks, just fishing pole after fishing pole. Yeah. But the down, I mean, the downside to growing your own is you do have to have the space to do it. <clears throat> and you have to have the space to store it because uh, you then you then start having times in the season when you have a lot of food, a surplus of food. And especially in Canada, 
times of the season when you have no food growing. And so you have to then start budgeting basically your food in a sense and storing it away and having it's more than just taking it off a shelf and um, putting it on your shelf at home. <clears throat> you have to actually be able to store it in a way that it will be preserved mm. for the year. Yep. Storage is something I've been looking at and, and thinking about. Um, definitely don't like how heavily reliant I am on the freezer running because there's only so much you can do to secure that uh, food storage method against disruption. You know, you mm-hmm. can have your backup power, but it's like how much fuel are, are you really going to have? Basically, it is a more vulnerable way of storing food, even though it's the simplest, you know, fire stuff in the freezer, pull it out when you need it. doesn't require a lot of thought. Um, oh, in the winter time, have more in the winter time, in the winter time here, it is pretty reliable because you don't even need power at all for six mm. months. Yeah. For a few months. Yeah. yeah. We keep our freezers outside. So basically they don't run through the winter because they stay, they're not outside, mm-hmm. outside in the snowbank, but you know, they're, <laughs> they're mm-hmm. out in a non-climate mm-hmm. controlled area. <laughs> yep. Well, that's kind of, you know, part of having space, like you mentioned, is it's not only about space to have a garden plot, but, you know, space or a little foresight in design to think of things like that. It's like, well, if I'm doing everything I can to use to run a backup heat source, you know, to stay warm in my house, am I fighting against myself by also trying to <laughs> desperately keep, keep the freezer cold? <laughs> yep. Those are the modern so. conveniences that, uh, or the, the, what am I trying to say? Modernity and our luxury that we have through electricity and, and whatnot has, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. In a sense, it's kind of a, a little bit of an opulence in that we can heat and cool and fight each other and still, but we have the money to do it <laughs> kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of a, a luxury Just, of energy availability. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Which food is another version of energy? You know, mm-hmm. we don't run on electricity either. <laughs> Not yet, anyway. Not we'll, until I get we'll the chip. At some point, in. we may we may pl- get plugged in. <laughs> e- Elon sending me a chip that I can put in so I can run on electricity. <laughs> you know, as far so- as uh, storing what you eat, chips are good for that. You know? <laughs> I was trying to think of a Matrix joke to make there, but just no, gone. The the chip yeah. one will do. <laughs> you never want to find yourself in the position like the the crew there in the Matrix, mm. where uh, you get told uh, just eat up. It has all the essential vitamins and minerals that you need. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if someone has to convince you. That food is awesome based on its vitamin and uh, nutrient content. Uh, maybe you, maybe you're uh, getting desperate there. <laughs> what is it like? Amino acids, proteins, and yeah, everything the human yep. body needs. Yeah, except flavor. Except flavor, <laughs> yeah, <it's> true. <laughs> a minor need. Hmm. Hey, God gave us f- taste buds for a reason. Yeah, we're gonna talk about flavor in a minute. Oh, really? Um, yes, that's another point I have. I don't think I wrote it down here, but 
Uh, so then the third type of food I would, I would categorize as long-term storage food. So you sort of have three different things of food. You have grow your own, which tends to be short to mid-range. I would call it short-term food. And short-term food for me is a year. That's um, a long-time preference. Well, yes, but I guess the way I look at it is if I – I mean, I guess you could say grow your own is short in that it's just the season, but it's not that hard to preserve some food. But that food generally you want to use up after a year because you're going to be then growing it again the next year and replacing it. And copy canning um, it. There you go. And then you're copy canning because you're purchasing things that generally have a pretty good shelf life of a couple years. That's when you're starting to look into sort of midterm food now yeah you're using it and replacing it but if you had to you could build up enough of a supply that if it sat in the shelf for a couple of years it'd be fine mm-hmm. and then you have your long-term storage food which you're running out to like 30 years and so your long-term storage food tends to be basic ingredients that store super well and are packaged correctly. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. So now you're looking at your beans, rice, pasta. Um, what Everything else is in there? Everything that Dr. Ken Berry hates. Yeah. Wheat. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Food that's probably not be... great for you, but it'll keep you alive because it has calories. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Like if you're... If, You're getting to the point that no, oh, eh, great. Someone froze. I my internet. No, you're good. Go for it. Yay. We're here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. You're getting to the point of that. You're 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 in survival mode. You're not in thrive mode. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're pretty much looking at seeds. And let's see, you're doing. I guess freeze drying, you can push out your mm-hmm. storage life a yes. long ways, but man, that, that's a long time for something to sit. Yep. <laughs> Seeds were kind of uh, built by nature to do that, though, if kept dry. Yeah, that's right. And so do you want to talk about just a few techniques for long-term storage food? This is something I feel like I haven't set up. when. As far as long-term, uh, by that definition, I don't have anything packaged in a way I would be comfortable with leaving okay. it for that length of time. Yeah. I did so a what bunch. What have your experiences been with that? Uh, I've done up uh, at one time would have been a year's worth of food for everybody uh, in the family. But the family, of course, has grown since then. Um, and some of that's been used a little bit here and there. Um so there'd be a few spots in there that we would be, that we wouldn't have anything. But as far as beans um, and some pastas and rice, sugar, uh, salt, um, trying to think what else. We ate the peanut butter because it was going to go bad because it wasn't really packaged for 30 years. Um. I can't even think what else we had in there right now. But basically, we set that up in uh, Mylar bags. 
with mm-hmm. oxygen absorbers sealed, and then we put them in buckets with lids just for rodent protection uh, and port portability reasons as well. Easier to move around and stack and whatnot. Um, so that's honestly my recommended way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, we did it two different ways. We did some bigger bags for stuff, but then we started doing one gallon bags and it wasn't quite as efficient as far as fitting in a bucket, but mm-hmm. we found that, I mean, who needs five gallons of rice all at once? Mm-hmm. Like two cups of rice will feed a family, you know, like it, it once it's cooked, <laughs> you don't, you don't need a ton of <clears throat> some of these things um, all mm-hmm. at once. So we started doing sort of one gallon sized bags. And then we found we could like package if we shaped them just right, package them three in a bucket kind of deal. And so it wasn't quite as efficient okay. use of space, but when we go to use that, we're only pulling out a gallon at a time and the rest stays sealed. We're not exposing all of that food to the, to oxygen, um, just portions of it at a time. Mm-hmm. Yep. So with the long-term storage, is it, I guess, is it important to have like sort of rotation in the way that with, that with copy canning you would be using you know, first in, first out uh, type thing. It uh, depends how you do it. We did ours all at once. And so we're going to basically have, and again, will it go beyond 30 years? Probably. Even mm-hmm. at 30 years, it's not going to be fresh. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's going to be some staleness to the, <laughs> to the old rice and beans. But um, it was really put away. We bought it bulk, like at a, at a, local bulk food place and stuff and just bought it all in one shot because we had the money then to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you certainly could do it uh, longer term and go, oh, well, I'm going to buy just a bag of rice at the store every time I go. And obviously we don't eat rice every week, but I can fire it in a Mylar bag and seal it up and date it and throw it on the shelf. Mm-hmm. You know, so certain things like that, you can do that with beans. You can do that with most of the stuff. Pasta, oh, pasta went on sale. I'm going to buy two crates of pasta, but I don't need more than a couple for however long. So the rest or a certain portion thereof goes into my long-term storage. So you can start combining some of these things. I was going to ask, can, can that principle that's utilized in copy canning be applied to some degree throughout all of these? Whether it's, you know, growing your own and you, you know, you're like, okay, so last year we really enjoyed this type of, uh, whatever you grew, uh, this vegetable. So you buy an extra pack of seeds, excuse me, to go along with that. And, or like you just said, with long-term food storage, you know, just kind of doing that. Yeah. Cause there's only certain things you're going to be able to store long-term. Yeah. It's, and so, uh, and I haven't done any long-term food storage myself, so I can't speak to it exactly. Uh, so it's more of a question. Does uh, the sheer moisture content of the food, like the moisture content that's within the food that's being packaged for long-term storage, does that play uh, the lar- the biggest factor in whether or not it will store? Like, does it have to be mostly dry? You need, 
you need dry goods. Yeah. Um, I would say the biggest factor is heat and oxygen. Okay. The oxygen is probably your biggest issue with it breaking down. Gotcha. Uh, heat. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can do, you try to keep it. <clears throat> if you have a cellar or something where you can put it, where it's going to stay dry, but cool. That's ideal. I don't have a cellar, so I just have it in my back room. So it's subject a little bit to, you know, the seasonal temperature swings. Um, but the biggest thing I think is keeping the oxygen off of it, keeping it sealed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After, after keeping everything dry, which is basic seed preservation, then yeah. Uh, preventing the different nutrients in it from oxidizing slowly over time is your biggest thing. Yeah. 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 Heat. I don't know how warm you'd have to be to actually see any sort of chemical breakdown. Maybe by heat, I mean humidity. In which case, if you have it sealed up, you okay. shouldn't be having humidity issues. Mm. <clears throat> that gets back to moisture, I guess. Yeah. I guess you could see temperature swings not being ideal because if there is any potential humidity, you can concentrate it one place through uh, condensation. If you have temperature swings in, in your storage right. area, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, mylar bags are not stupid expensive, easy to seal up and you can buy oxygen absorbers, like specially special, like specifically for that. Um, but one thing I know some people use is those hand warmers. Mm -hmm. That's all that is. That's all that is. Yeah. Just throw it in your bag, open it up out of the package, throw it in there, seal it up. And it'll s- suck up all your all okay, the oxygen. I'm good. I'm going to bed. That's my <laughs> new thing I learned today. I'm good. I'm done. <laughs> cool. Yeah, they're they're basically exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think the first question when someone hears about that is usually, "But won't the heat cause damage?" And it's like, well, you actually won't get heat out of a hand warmer if it's not exposed to oxygen in significant quantity, it's usually why you shake them. Yeah. Yeah. See, I thought it was just like two different chemical compounds contained within the thing. And then when you shook it, you mixed them together and that created a. Well, um, there are packs it's, like it's that, the, but the basic the, hand warmer is not. I know. What you, I know what you're going to say. Uh, it's, Owen, the, it's, it's the iron oxide <laughs> and the oxygen. <laughs> 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 Good. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that's. I mean, there's also like vacuum sealing, like vacuum packing, freeze drying, as you mentioned, also can make really good long-term storage food. The downside with freeze drying, of course, is just the cost of a freeze dryer is mm-hmm. prohibitively expensive for most people. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably right up there at. Uh... You're probably at Yoda level Jedi Knight if you uh, have the freeze dryer. <laughs> Jedi Master. I look uh, at the cost of a freeze dryer. There you know who's actually a fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am of the original ones. Not these if new you, Disney ones. No. The, uh, yeah, the, there's, you could buy literally years worth not 
a year, but years plural worth of long-term storage food for the cost of a freeze dryer. Mm. That's insane. Yeah. Some other things that you might put in long-term storage food. What would your guys' idea be of stuff that you would want to have? Beef jerky. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. What would the shelf life of beef jerky be sealed up like, like that? If you, well, if you dried, you'd have to dry the crap out of it. Mm. Like it's going to be, it's going to be like matchstick dry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Something like if you do that to uh, vacuum seal it, I don't know. Or hand Beyond three or four years, I imagine that stuff's going to be like, <laughs> you know, you'll well, rehydrating becomes, leather basically. <laughs> well, I was going to say, then it becomes pemmican, right? Then you, then you just, pound it up right. into a powder and you know put it in a soup or something like right, that right 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 at that point a lot of people will oh. do uh powdered eggs or Ooh. or uh like powdered milk to have those okay. sorts of substitutes i've never done those but powdered milk is interesting i will say yeah. that it was uh it's like oh just go mix up some milk i'm like <laughs> Mix up some milk. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Over the bag. What the? Yep. Yep. That's uh, that's how you get your continental breakfast, though. <laughs> Strange powdered substances. Eggs from a carton. I never got that. Why would what? you? Why you? Why would you put eggs in a carton? Oh, sorry. No, like the the uh, like a milk. <laughs> Milk carton, like a carton of milk, not a, not the actual. Isn't that eggnog? Eggs. No, no. <laughs> oh, oh boy! Mm-hmm. I can't laugh or I start coughing. We're gonna Gosh. send uh, Ben some powdered eggnog for Christmas now. Yeah. Oh, really puzzling. <laughs> said, oh, homemade homemade powdered eggnog. Combine the powdered eggs and the powdered milk. <laughs> <laughs> open up, and some powdered open, sugar. Go open up your gift and it's like, <clears throat> what is this? It's just egg <laughs> Eggnog. I'll open the second package, Ben. It's some powdered water to mix with it. <clears throat> <laughs> it's just a bag with nothing in it. <laughs> I'm just I'm just hijacking conversation tonight, boys. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. Uh, mm, yeah, salt, salt, and sugar <laughs> is one. Are a couple others that we did that might get easily missed. Hmm. Um, yep. Yeah, not and, having any salt is yeah. quite a predicament. You know, you want to talk about uh, having it tough living just on potatoes? Try uh, the potatoes no salt. Yeah. So we did two salt. We did like we did some fine salt, which would be like a table salt, and then we did some actually uh, a couple buckets of coarse salt. Mm-hmm. So at least we had something so you could actually do some food preservation with it if you needed to, mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I would say with this, um, like this, do some pork. Yeah, salted pork is do something to flavor this food with because i don't know about you guys but straight up boiled dried beans or straight up dried rice or plain pasta not super tasty even with salt 
<laughs> so if you can do, you know, some sort of spice mixes, maybe get like, uh, uh, you know, some Montreal steak spice bulk or something like that. You know, anything that you can do to add some sort of flavor to that food will make it a lot more palatable if you ever have to consume it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess kind of a secondary concern because I guess if you can only cover one base, it's get the base food mm-hmm. layer mm-hmm. and uh, the stuff that makes it tasty on top of that. Um, mm-hmm. I think growing your own food is actually a really good avenue for that too. You know, because you can have those vegetables that will give uh, a dish a, dish, a little bit of pop, a little bit of flavor. But yeah. uh, some things we're not going to grow. Like you said, spice mixes, that that definitely makes me think. It's like some things you can't just uh, grow in the garden. Mm. You know? or even I've if grown you peppers, to, would but be I've very... never grown pepper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pepper would be tricky here. Um, or even something like a chili powder or a different type of uh, mm. powdered hot peppers. Um, you know, that's something you could do. But it's like, would you want to compared to just packaging a little and putting it in your long-term storage yeah so part of this is strategic too it's like some things are just not worth having to try to grow yourself it's like you really would have to be desperate yeah if you're desperate (laughs) well you don't have the time on your hands to have that uh luxury item produced in your own backyard yeah survival's hard enough (laughs) join us next week for part two of food storage principles